What is the point of life? Unfortunately, we've been deceived and misled into thinking that that the point of life is ourselves, that we are the point of life, that our joy, our happiness, our self-satisfactions, our self-gratifications, that that's the point of life. And so you go out and live life to the fullest for yourself. You you know, live like, you know, there's no tomorrow for yourself. You, you try everything because, you know, uh, you only live once. Uh, well, that is a lie and it's a lie from the pit of hell. We, we live for the glory to bring glory and honor, uh, to the Lord. I remember that was a, probably the, the first great lesson I learned when I became a Christian and really the reality that I wasn't was I lived for, for my own glory. I lived for the glory of, of being a good baseball player. I lived for the glory of really pleasing my dad. That was, that was my hope and joy and my purpose in life. And, and once I realized that that's not why I existed, uh, that's when everything, everything changed. And so we ask, well, what's the purpose? Or in a different way, what is the way? I mean, what, what's, what's the way we're supposed to, to live? Now, there's a lot of churches out there. Um, and one of the things that we have to understand is, well, you know, which church is right? Right? Um, well, is that really our goal? Is our goal really to anchor on like which church, which denomination we're, we're supposed to follow? Um, no, we're, we're not called to follow, quote unquote, the church. We're, we're called, called to follow God's word. And so we can pull apart the church, un- unfortunately, very easily. I mean, right now, just, just right now and just the, the one issue, which again, and I was reminded this morning with, you know, Andy Stanley and... And, and the such, and uh, right now the, the the denominations that are in, in the in the midst of just sanctioning uh, the you know the LGBTQ platform, right? And that's just that's just one of the issues under the greater umbrella of progressive Christianity. But but in that alone, and, and I would say the bigger picture is the progressive issue. But there's thirty seven hundred. Christian Church of Disciples of Christ Church. There's 4,700 United Christian of Christ churches. There's 7,200 Episcopal churches. These are denominations. There's 8,700 Evangelical Lutheran churches of the USA. There's 28,000 United Methodist churches in America. Just with those five denominations, just five, there's 60,000 churches represented, equaling millions of attenders who are currently accepting and tolerating sin. Uh, That's frightening. That means we have a, a problem with the counterfeit church. Now, that should be of no surprise. The book of Revelation tells us that the church is going to be false. The church is going to be weak the church is going to be frail but but it's still hard to see in real time 
And we have to be on high alert that, that we're not participating in, in part of that. Um, so how, how is it that so many churches and so many people can attend those churches and keep attending and, and be on the wrong path, especially when there's just crystal clear Bible verses that teach against the things that they're advocating? Well, instead of following God's word and following God's way, well, they're following something else. And it should be of no surprise that, that we've had a, a major problem for the past 20 years of, of the church being really just this, this marketing machine. And, and, and it falls under this, again, a, another umbrella of just marketing, getting as many people into the church as you can through strategies and techniques. In fact, there's tons of Christian books about those techniques, how to create cultures, not, not for, for the radical transformation of lives, but to just get people in the door. Well, that's not that hard. I mean, you, you can get people into a, a stadium to watch a football game. You can get people into a stadium to, to watch a concert. I mean, people follow all kinds of stuff especially with good marketing. Uh, there's seminars, there's seminaries that, that preach this is how you, you get more people, not, not build the church, but get more people. Here are the seven steps or techniques. And, and again, it's not that they're, you know, they're, they're all in, in all bad. I mean, have a, have a great youth department. That, that, that's, that's a key in, in church growth. Have dynamic music. That, that people like. That's a key to church growth. Uh, be positive from the pulpit. Don't be negative. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about hell. So eliminate things. Only talk about, you know, uh, heaven. Only talk about, about how great and awesome Jesus is and what he's going to give you. It's like Santa Jesus. But they don't really talk about biblical virtues. They don't really address what, what Jesus addresses confrontationally. So the question we always have to ask again is, are they biblical? When we look to, to our, our, our bylaws, when we look at to our purpose of Ravensdale Bible Church, you know, we really anchor on Colossians 1.28 that we, first of all, proclaim him. We're here to proclaim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're, we're not here for me. You're not here to follow me. Um, that's the last thing God wants. That's the last thing I want. That's the last thing you should want. We proclaim Him. And, and then what's our job to, and our purpose to admonish all of you? How? By, by teaching. By teaching what? Again, not the politics of the day, not, not the culture of the day, but, but to teach God's word. And, and last week we talked about that. And we talked about Deuteronomy 6, how, how we're supposed to anchor in the commandments of the Lord, how, how we're supposed to anchor on the heart and the soul and the might and all our strength to, to so that as Colossians 1.28 says, so we can be presented as complete in Christ. We, we all come to the, to the table broken. All of us come sinful and broken. That's how we start. But that's not how we're called to finish. And that's the great hope in Christianity. The great hope, the great joy is that radical transformation. 
in our young married study this week, we're, we were talking about that. We we're talking about what that looks like and how, how that looks when you remodel a, a house that was a dump. You know, how you restore a car that was all beat up, scratched, dented, and rusted. Well, that's the process of what, what Christ does for us in our lives. And it's the most beautiful thing that there is. A transformed life. What, a, what an awesome thing. What a great way to, to glorify and honor God. But again, we ask, well, what's, what's the way? that we were supposed to be. How are we supposed to live? As Francis Schaeffer said. Well, one of the things I was reminded of, of just a real short advertisement and during a football game, you gotta be careful of those ads during football games. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on there. But aside from that, there's just a commercial and a reminder of a, of a very, very famous, probably the most famous uh, movie franchise ever of Star Wars and uh, the Mandalorians, right? And some of you know the Mandalorians really, really well, and some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, um, which is okay. But there's this group of warriors. In fact, it's a planet. It's a whole planet of warriors. Everybody on the planet is like warrior-like, right? And, and so the Mandalorians, the warriors that, and you know, they're leaving the planet doing all kinds of things all over the galaxy, but they have a code, the Mandalorian code. And in their code, they'll say it all the time. This is the way it's like at, at that, that moment of opposition where you don't know exactly what to do. It doesn't make sense. We're probably going to die. This doesn't seem smart, but you know what? It's the way. And we will die for our code. We will die for the way. And, and, and that's to be admired. Um, of course, in the movie, it's just a movie. And they're practicing a faith. They're practicing a, an orthodox. But they're a member of a group. They're a member of a society. And, and their, their, their code is you know, strength, honor to the death. And they will yield themselves. Uh, that, that, that's the character in them. They will, they're, they're, they're selfless and sacrificial in, in yielding to the way, the code. They embody the code. They embody the ideals. They embody the traditions. Um, not only internally, but externally. Hey, they, they have a dress code. Nobody likes a dress code. It's so funny, especially high school kids, right? Kids hate dress codes. Then you grow up and you graduate and you realize everywhere I go, there's a dress code. If I go work at McDonald's, there's a dress code, right? There's dress codes everywhere. It's crazy. But the, the Mandalorian had a dress code and they have these special helmets and special armor that, you know, defends them against lasers. Um, they have a unique language, lingo. Uh, they defend their self and their family above all else. They're called to raise their children as Mandalorian in the code, just like Deuteronomy 6 says. They're called to contribute to this club. To, to, they're not supposed to be randos out there all alone. They are in function with the, the, the club or the organization to, to, to give their gifts. And then finally, they always rally to the cause. Well, that's very reminiscent of the way we're supposed to live. We're called to have dress codes and to, to be modest and, 
and to wear the armor, the spiritual armor and the helmet of salvation, right? And the shield of faith. We, we have Christian lingo that we use and definitely words that we're not supposed to say and things we're not supposed to coarse jest about in foul language. Um, we defend our family selflessly, right? Just as a Mandalorian would do as a, as a husband, we're to be the head of the church and to, to be willing to die for the church sacrificially. We contribute to the church with our spiritual gifts. We, we haven't been given these gifts just so that we can go out and, and, and do amazing things in the world. We're supposed to use them within the church. And then we don't forsake this assembly. We, 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 we rally together. That's part of our way. Um, what happens in the church is the church then gets, gets romantic about other ways. You know, and you study different things and you go, oh, the Mandalorians were cool. Maybe we should be like them. Or, you know what, the samurai, they were really neato. You know, and the, the whole Bushido and they had honor and noble and really cool helmets and, you know, stuff like that. And so we, we get sucked into all these other like different ways. And maybe, you know, maybe one of the kind of the ways is I'm an American, the American way, right? Um, or politically, you're part of your political party. But, but that's not our way. In fact, our way is found only, only, only in Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to look at uh, where our hope is. Our hope is found in Christ and Christ alone. Um, in three ways, we're going to see that. One, we're going to follow Jesus's way. The second is we're going to follow Jesus's truth. And then thirdly, we're going to follow Jesus's life. And again, our, our Christianity is such a, a, a beautiful and amazing and, and, and positive and hopeful thing. Like I said, we may have all started out as desperately sick and wicked and sinful, but the, the transformation that God has made in our hearts and our minds to save our souls, that was the whole point of Jesus, of, of the Word becoming flesh and dwelling on the earth. Why? Because Jesus came to seek and save us. The whole point of Jesus Christ's arrival on earth was not to destroy. Think about that for a second. Jesus does not want anybody to go to hell. That is not the desire. In fact, he came to take the bull by the horns to seek who he could save, not to destroy. Luke 9.56 says that. And then we also see, not just to save our lives from the pit of hell, but also John 10.10 10, to, to give us life here and to give it abundantly. So, so as Christians, we're, we're, we're given this great hope that's found in Christ. But we need to learn how to follow his way and stay on track. And so we turn back to John 14 and actually backing up a little bit, starting in <clears throat> John 13, getting a little bit of context. John 13, 31 says, When therefore he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you 
a little while longer. You shall seek me. And as I said to the Jews, and now I say to you, that's his, his 12 disciples, where am I going? You cannot come. Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus is giving some departing notes to his disciples. And one of them is he's going to leave. Jesus isn't going to be here for them to follow his way. He says, look, but I'm giving you a new commandment. Remember all the Old Testament, all the commandments? Look, let's pin it down to synthesize it into one thing, that you're to love one another. That you're to love one another as I as 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 you love Christ, right? <clears throat> and then everybody will know that you're different, that you're sp- that you were following a different way because of that love that you have. That's like my love. I love the scriptures. I love the Bible, and I love when when you're reading it and you're you're tracking along with the situation. You've put yourself in the time and the place where this is happening and you can just see the disciples and they're in their little holy huddle and they're having this great conversation with Jesus and he's getting ready to leave the earth and and you have questions, right? Well, they had questions and Simon Peter speaks up and he says, well, Lord, where are you going? Why are you good? Don't leave. Just stay here. Be with us. Let's do this thing. Let's rock the world with you, with us together. Where are you going? And Jesus says, well, where you go, you can't follow me now, but you shall follow later. Because remember, the great call is to follow him, to follow his way. And Jesus is leaving. So Peter's like, well, how do I follow you? How do I follow the way? If you leave, verse 3, Peter said to him, Lord, why? Why can I not follow you right now? I will lay my life down for you. I'll die for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times. And that's that famous passage of this encounter with Peter. And Peter's like, I I just want to follow you and follow your way. I'll die. And then moments later, we see Peter denying Christ three times, right? When faced with the, with the opportunity of, are you a follower of Christ? And he's like, uh, who? And he ends up cursing, proving that, no, I'm not a follower of Christ. So we see one of the great disciples, Peter, and yet in this moment of weakness, he, he's not following the way. Um, there's, 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 there's worries in people in how do I know? How do I know which way to go? I, 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 I need a leader. I need somebody. I need a path. I need a, an instruction guide, right? To, to follow the way. Well, our hope is found in Jesus in, in this way. And then this is what we see in, in verse six. Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so again, we ask the question, well, what's being said? We already went back to chapter 13. Let's go back a couple verses in just chapter 14, verse 1. This is why context becomes important. We, we, we need to know. So John 14, 1. 
Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Yes, I'm going, I'm going. But don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now remember, this is a time where, where most of Christianity is beginning with, with Israel, with Jews, right? The Lord our God is one besides him. There is no other. And now the word becomes flesh. And here's Jesus on the earth walking around saying, I am he. Right? That he's God. That he's Emmanuel. God with us. So there's confusion. Are there two gods? What's going on here? And so Jesus is setting things right and setting things straight. As he says, look, first of all, don't be troubled. Second of all, believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Look, we have a future hope. We have a future glory. We have heaven to wait for. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place. I'm going to prepare that place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will not come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you will be also. And you know the way where I am going. That's his road and his path. So it's in that context that we see then Thomas asking the question. First it was Peter. Now it's Thomas. Questions are good to ask, right? It's okay to ask questions. It's great to ask clarifying questions. And so Thomas said to him, verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And here's the question of the day. How do we know the way? That's our question. How do we know the way? There's so many different voices in our ears, so many podcasts, so many books, so many seminaries, so many churches, so many pastors, so many voices in our ears. How do we know the way? Jesus says, let's start here. Let's start by Jesus saying, I am the way. I'm the way. So the first point we see is Jesus makes that bold statement and, and proclamation that, that I am the one true and only way. Verse 7, if you had known me, this is where he brings the Trinity and the triune Godhead together. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Bold proclamation. I and the Father are one. Verse 8. Philip gets into the action, says to him, Lord, show us the Father. Do you see the confusion? They're still thinking in an Old Testament Jewish mindset. The Father, and then here's the Messiah. These are two separate. And no. So Philip said, well, show us the Father. If you just show me. How many people have heard that? Well, if, if you... If, if you evangelize and talk to people about the Lord, they'll say, well, if I could just see Jesus, if I could just see God, I'd believe. Show me. Prove it. Right? That's what they're saying. And, and, and Philip says, Lord, just, just show us the Father. That'll be enough. Like, like it's just, you know, like a little tiny thing. Right? And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you don't know? You don't know me, Philip? He who has seen me 
has seen the Father. So how do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And the greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. So do you see what's happening here? That the first step in, 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 our, in, in our living in Christ with great hope is not only do we have to know that there's a way to follow, we have to know what that way is. We have to know who the way is. Why would we follow Jesus? Why would we follow him? Well, okay, he, he died on the cross for our sins. Okay, so if somebody dies for us, then, then that's enough for us to just, just follow him. Um, Jesus makes that, that clear distinction. You're not going to follow me just because I died, but you're following me because I am God. I am the living God. I am God incarnate. That's who you're following. That's why you should follow me. I'm not just anybody. I'm not a carpenter. I'm not just a shepherd. I'm not just a king. Um, I am not separate from him. We're, we are one. So first and foremost, you need to understand who I am. If you understand who I am, now you understand why you follow me. See, that's for us in America. We, we always have to ask why. That's like it's the best and the worst of us, right? It, it, it helps us to investigate and search and we, we want to know more and we want to do and it get, it get, we're in our entrepreneurism and our independence and our freedom and liberty. You know, we ask why. And then that has propelled us to do many great things. But it also hurts us because we're kind of like that little kid who doesn't want to listen to mom and dad, doesn't understand why there's rules, doesn't understand why they can't do it. And they ask mom, dad, why, why? Why? Non-stop, every question, why? And sometimes the answer is, because I said so. Because I'm in authority. Because you don't know, I know. Or how about, because I am the Lord God Almighty, and besides me, there is no other. You follow, you obey me with all your heart, all your might, and with all your soul. That's the anchor of what's being said here. So we don't follow rock star pastors. The search is over. We're not looking for, you know, yoga and, and you know, things like that. And, you know, utopian ideas. Remember all these different, all these different uh, progressive Christian ideas all stem from a utopian notion of can't we all just like get along to quote Rodney King can't we all just get along you know what it's not about being non-denominational where we it's it's not enough to say you know we're, we're not a part of any denomination but actually we're interdenominational do you know what interdenominational is that means 
All those churches that I named in the beginning, we're with them. We're not with them. That's polytheistic. That's universalism. Always do not lead to the same destination. That is right into Satan's hands. And so well-intentioned, when well-meaning, you know, ideas of, well, we just want to want to like make Christianity and all these churches like little, little paints. It's like, we're going to like put our color paint on the palette and then just like smear it all in there. And then it'll look like Wheezy's shirt, right? It'll just be like colors everywhere. Sometimes you just need a good, bold, plain black like Caleb's shirt. Just black is beautiful, right? All the different colors swirling around. It's like we, we, we love that idea. It's just not biblical. It's not biblical. Our rally is around the unity of understanding who God is. Understanding who Christ really is. So that we know. Acts 24.14. Acts 24.14 and so the ladies studied Acts and, and heard this idea of the way before. It shouldn't be anything new, but it, it's a funny thing because in Acts, we see the, the start of the New Testament church and there is no Christianity. There is no Baptist church. There is no you know, Calvinism. There's no, none of these like terms that we use. Acts 24, 14 says, but this I admit to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that in accordance with the law. And that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. Well, what's happening in Acts 24? Well, we see that the Christian movement doesn't even have a name at this point. It so doesn't have a name. They're just like, it's just the way. So the non-name becomes the name. It's the no-name movement, which is actually the way. So they, 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 become identified throughout Acts is, well, it's, it's going to now be known as, as, as the way. And, and, it, and it begs the question, and I love this thought. They don't have t-shirts yet, right? They don't have hats and bracelets and, you know, identification or, you know, or they don't, they haven't joined the, the local denomination. How do they know who is in the way? How do they know who's in the way? They know because of the way they act. Josh McDowell once asked the question, if, if, if you were put on trial, if you were put on trial for judgment of your Christianity, would there be enough evidence to prove you guilty? Well, this group, they knew who they were. Why? They were this group of people who called themselves the way. What what was part of the way? What were the kind of the identifications? Well, they were part. They thought again that they were still they were Jews, right? So they said, well, they're a sect of the Jews. They're not really the, like the normal Jews. They're like a special sect. Uh, but but they 
it's confusing because they serve the God of our father. So these are other Jews commenting about this. Like, it's really weird because they seem to serve Yahweh. They seem to serve the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're not denying Abraham, Isaac. In fact, they're, th- that's all they talk about. And they, and they believe in everything according to the law. They're, they're following the Ten Commandments. They're preaching and teaching the law, the fulfillment of the law, and, and, and what the prophets say. And they have hope in God, not, not in themselves and, and not in like some temple prostitution ring in Ephesus. And these men, um, they, they, <coughs> they're, they're, they're righteous, but they were wicked. So, so they're, they're part of this, this resurrection thing. And in this view, I do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience both before God and before men. And so, so the way then is known without a printed Bible, without the t-shirts, without the books, with, without the seminaries, they seem to have figured out how they're supposed to live. And here we are 2000 years later and we're like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to follow Jesus. I need a new book. I need a new church. Every, every, you know, you know, new type of denomination and church. It's like, well, everybody else has been doing it wrong for 2000 years. So here we are. We've got a new program. This is a new way that that's what they're saying. It's like, no, there, there's, there's not a new way. There's an old way. There's one way. There's only one way to the father. And that is through the son. There's only one way. Again, it goes back to the Deuteronomy. There's the Lord God Almighty. Beside him, there is no other. There is no other way. There is no other way. So we're to ca- called to follow his way, the way, not as Proverbs 21 states that to do whatever seems right in our own eyes, because that is exactly the altar that we worship at today in America. And unfortunately, in too many churches, is we're sitting there trying to figure it out on our own. Well, it doesn't quite seem right. I know what it says in the Bible, but the Bible was written a long time ago. And so it doesn't seem right in my, my eyes. No, we're, we're called to, to, to seek for, for God's righteousness. Psalm 119 says it in, in verse 105, that, we're, that, that thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Right? We've seen the song. Why? Well, imagine being in darkness. Imagine trying to go down the path in darkness. Well, God's word then is the illumination and then the light before your feet so that you can go down the path as you're following the way. What's the way? The way is the word of God. And if you follow misguided ways, then you're going to be going down the wrong path and you're going to end up in the wrong place. Do you see how that works? And so our hope and our joy can only be found in following this way, Jesus's way. And so we need to stay on path. Well, the second hope that we find in Jesus is by following the truth. He's the way. He's, he's the truth. Um, there are absolutes. There are absolutes, black and white. There is right and wrong. You'll, you'll see this a lot. People who 
reject God's authority, who reject God's word. They, they always appeal to feelings. Uh, I just don't feel that way. It doesn't feel right. Um, or I have this, this strong feeling towards this, this sin. Yes, you do. It's called depravity. It's called wickedness. And you're to fight that with all your heart, might, and soul. We all have different inclinations to different kinds of sins. I don't care what it is. There's no sin greater or smaller. It's sin. You can say you were born with the sin to steal. You're born with the sin to lie. You're born with, I don't care what it is. And now you need to fight it and repent against it and follow what is actually true. We know in Romans 1.18, Romans 1.18, that one of the first steps in rejecting God is you suppress truth. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. In Romans 1, the, you know, a couple of the big issues are creation. Who made the earth? God says, look, it's clearly seen. Just take a look around. If you can't understand that a moon doesn't just hang in the sky and a sun hang in the sky, and if we're like five feet closer to the sun, then we burn up and die, or five feet further away, then we freeze to death. If you don't understand the perfection of all that and how God upholds those things and how Mount Rainier wasn't carved you know, by a bunch of you know, you know, dwarves in the mountains, that this is from the hand of God and that the earth itself is living, active. it's alive and it breathes and the trees that you see are, are live things and animals. And, and if you don't see that there is a intelligent designer behind that called God, then you're on the pathway to suppressing truth. Now you don't want to read God's word. You don't want to follow it. So you suppress truth every step of the way. Anytime you don't see what you don't like, if you don't like the vegetables, you just leave them off. Mm, that's Brussels sprouts. I don't want to, I don't want that. I only want the sugar. I only want the good stuff. I only want the promises. I, I, I don't, I, I like this or, or I, this is such a struggle in my life that I don't feel like I can let it go. Besides our culture is different now. It's okay. Now it's acceptable now. No, that's suppression of truth. We're called to follow the way. We're called to follow the truth. How do I know the way? Because I know what's true. How do I know what's true? Because I go to God's word. God's word is the only truth. Why is it the only truth? Because he's God, the Lord God Almighty. And so, yes, that becomes a bit circular in uh, circular reasoning, but that's the way it is. Jesus is in that sense, self-evident. And we know we're seeing it in live action that the, the you know, Proverbs 14 says there, there seems to be a way, a way that's right in man's own eyes. Man thinks of a different way than Jesus's way. He, he seems he's, he's got it, you know, figured out, right? And so there's like this new way there's, and, and I, I, I love, hate the term, the term woke, right? Because the idea of woke is that you were asleep and now you're awakened. You're woke, right? Uh, you, you were asleep. You don't understand how, how it is. And it's funny because it, 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 it positions itself as though it's like, this is this 
great new bold idea. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just all the same rebelliousness against God's word wrapped up in a, in a different name. That, that's all it is. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we follow with the other sheeple? Or are we going to follow the way, Jesus's way, which is the truth? There, there's um, there's a, a, a pastor, a street preacher named Ray Comfort. And I, the name of his book is, and the name of his ministry is called The Way of the Master. I love that. It's not his way. It's not his program. It's the way of the master. What's the master say? So, so when we ask the question, like, how, how do we get to heaven? Right? Because that's, I mean, really our, our, our big picture goal. What's God's way to get to heaven? How as a Christian do I stay on the path to make sure that, that I arrive and am fully accepted into, into heaven, that I've been following God's way? And then when the Lord looks at me, he doesn't say, Lord, Lord, depart from me for I never knew you. Right? I want to be genuine. Well, it's not about like virtue signaling. It's not about you being a good person because you're not. And so Ray Comfort starts with asking some, you know, pretty simple questions. Hey, have you ever hated anybody like before in your heart? You know, and people will be like, hey, yeah, I have. Well, you know what? First John 3.15 says, well, he who hates his brother is a murderer. See, that's the truth. See, we, we don't want to think of that. Eh, that's too harsh. I didn't really think that. Well, no, God says that's what's true. Have you ever lusted in your heart? Well, Matthew 27 says, if you look with lust, that's adultery. Well, I've never committed adultery. Yes, you have. You've committed spiritual adultery. You're guilty. Have you ever lied? Well, then you're a liar. Have you ever taken anything without permission? Well, you're a thief. See, we sugarcoat things. Well, that was a, that was a white lie, right? I didn't steal it. They had too much. I needed it. We, that's the untruth. But here, here, the way the master is laying out, well, this is the real truth. If, if you, you know, are lying, thieving, murdering, adulterous, blasphemer, well, then you're a sin, sinner and an enemy of God. You need Christ. That's the truth. So deceiving people into thinking that they're good, deceiving them into thinking, well, that's just how you think of it. That's just your denomination. I remember somebody telling me this at a Christian board meeting for a school. Well, that's just kind of like your brand of, of Christianity as we're literally opening God's word and reading verbatim from scripture. Um, but that's how you get there. You get there because you start following different ways. You're not following the way of the master. And the way of the master says, look, I have to conform to scripture. And scripture says, when I lust in my heart, that I'm committing adultery, that I need to stop lusting in my heart. I, I, I need to stop doing that. I need to stop hating my brothers and sisters in my heart because that's just like murder to God. I'm being judged and evaluated by that truth. I mean, instead, we, you know, we, we love following these things that are like they're, they're they're not truths. They're, they're lies. I was looking at some things that, that Jesus never said. Jesus never said, you know what you need to do? You need to follow your heart. Jesus never said that. You know why? Because your heart's desperately sick and wicked. 
Jeremiah 17, 9. Your heart will fight and deceive you. You're in battle against your own heart. That's the truth. Uh, You hear the phrase, you know what you need to do? Just be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Uh, Matthew 16, 24 says, no, you need to deny yourself because your self ain't no good. Romans 3 says that no one's righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's us. So why, why would we be true to ourselves? Going off of that, you know what you need to do? You need to believe in yourself. Jesus says, believe in me. We're called to like live out your own truth. I know my truth. You can see something right in front of your eyes. It's like, yeah, well, that, that's not the way I see it. Um, we see this every day now. And again, Jesus is saying, no, I am the truth. I am the truth. How about, well, as long as it makes you happy. See, your purpose here is not to be happy. Your purpose is to glorify God. If you glorify God, he'll make you happy. But, but there's a major difference between who you're serving. When you're self-serving, you're not serving him. And so the scriptures say, well, what profits a man if he gains the whole world? You want to make yourself happy? You want to, I'll give you everything. But what profit is it to you if you lose your soul? So all that stuff that, that makes you happy, it's not profitable. In fact, Scripture tells us that all things may be permissible, but not profitable. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. When we hear the phrase, and I hate this because it's, it's so twisted that this beautiful phrase, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you is, is equated to it's okay, whatever sin you're involved in, it doesn't matter to Jesus. That, that's what it's saying. That's what it's really saying. That, that's the red neon sign that's being proclaimed is, is, doesn't matter. Come as you are, leave as you are. We'll, we'll put the stamp on you because you walk through the door. No, Jesus is love is directly related to the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Let me rephrase it. Whoever does not believe in him will perish. So when you say Jesus loves you, just to anybody blanket statement, well, what do you mean by that then? Yeah, he loves you. He died on the cross for you. But if you don't follow and obey and believe, you're still going to end up in hell. You have to believe in him. So truth matters. Truth is essential. Don't ever forget. Don't ever, ever, never forget that Satan is the father, the master, the grand pooba of lies. He's great at it. He's better than a three-year-old. Ah, five-year-old. And they're good. They're real good. He's the prince of darkness. We must follow God's way. We must follow only one truth. God's truth. Where do we find God's truth? All throughout here. Well, finally we see point 3, hope is found in Jesus first by following Jesus's way, second by following Jesus's truth, finally by 
following the life. What does that mean, the life? John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I, I'm, I'm the, 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 the gatekeeper. I am the door. So what's this idea of life? It's our very existence, our very existence, our, our very way of, of being. Our, our, our great hope then is, is, and we see this in, in John 14, our great hope is that God and the Father are one. They're one. And so that becomes, he's the point and the purpose and the, the chief end of what we live for is glorifying him. We glorify him. Colossians 3, 4 says, Jesus is our life. I remember this t-shirt. I thought it was the greatest t-shirt I'd ever seen in my life. I was in high school and it said, baseball is life. And it's like, I, I look at that now and I read the God's word. And I think, man, what a blasphemous statement. Blasphemous statement, right? Of course, everybody else followed, you know, and basketball is life. And every, everything else in the world now has become life. No, no, no. Jesus is our life. Embed that into your brain when you wake up in the morning. Jesus, look, love your spouse. They're not your life. Love your kids. They're not your life. Love your parents. They're not your life. Your job's not your life. Your hobby's not your life. Your garden's not your life. It's not your life. Jesus is your life. Matthew 16, 24 says that we are to follow him. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him, follow him. That means live like him. I love that bracelet, right? The WWJD, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in this situation? Mandalorian say, it is the way. Do the way. Do, do the Jesus way. What's Jesus's way? We got to read God's word, right? And it's not complicated. I, one of my favorite passages is First Thessalonians 4.11. It's real simple. You want to know one of the ways? One of the ways? One of the secrets to life, joy, and happiness? If you really, really want to be happy, First Thessalonians 4.11, lead a quiet life. Not protests. Not on your Instagram. Not watching, you know... Fox News every night. Just lead a quiet life. Turn the noise off. Lead a quiet life. This is God's word. Second point, mind your own business. Mind your own business. Um, do, do not have enough of your own problems. Don't, your own things that you need to work on and fix and grow. Um, are you being discipled? Are you discipling anybody else? Are you involved in that process? Um, mind your own business and, 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 and focus. And then finally, the third point, work. And work with your hands. You know, if you're doing these things, leading a quiet life, mind your own business and working, you don't have time for the nonsense. What, what great practical wisdom and advice. I wish they would write books on that. They did. It's called the Bible been around for a couple thousand years great it's new york times bestseller and it doesn't take that long to read like takes 
two seconds. Lead a quiet life, mind your own business and work. Wow, I didn't even need to pay Tony Robbins to, to learn that. Philippians 1.21 says, To live is Christ, to die is gain. Turn with me to, to Jude. Jude is just a, just a beautiful, amazing little, little book. Jude is the, the half-brother of Jesus. And one of the things I love about Jude is, you know, Jude started off as, yeah. He, he, didn't, he wasn't buying. We see this in John 7, 5. He wasn't a believer. He wasn't a believer in Jesus. He was his half-brother. It's like, oh, my half-brother. It's not the Messiah. I know the kid. Jude was not a believer. Jude was saw and witnessed and beheld Jesus. He became a believer by seeing it in, in real life. So that's the guy who's writing to us in in this book, Jude, Jude, and Jude says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I'm making every effort to write to you our common salvation, I felt it necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So here's Jude saying, look, you want to follow the way, you, the, the, the follow the way, which is the life. You want to know what kind of life you're supposed to, to live? Well, first of all, contend earnestly, grapple, face head on, face head on the faith for the faith. Take it on sincerely. Look, it's not going to be easy. This is Jesus' half-brother. It's not an easy path. Being a Christian, it's going to take some grappling. That, that's what the idea here of, of contending means. It, you know, you'd think of a fight, right? Like you're, you're in a fight. You're, you're battling. Contend earnestly for the faith. Why? Well, verse 4. For certain persons have crept in in unnoticed those who were long before him marked out for this condemnation ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ so here's the question are these wolves in sheep clothing or wolves in sheep clothing what do I mean by that well are they intentionally coming into the church to deceive the church or are they accidentally coming into the church and deceiving church? Does it matter? It doesn't really matter. The point is, this is what we need to know. Be on alert, contend, grapple earnestly for the faith. Why? Because sitting in amongst us may be, might be, people who've crept in, who sneak in unnoticed. And, and, and by the way, what is part of this sin that they're doing? Well, it's licentiousness. What is that? It's sexual immorality. Remember, in, in Jesus' day, this is one of the, the key main issues with the Roman gods, with the Greek gods, that they have these temple prostitutes, and part of their, their pagan faith is connected with, with, with sexuality. And so this is creeping into the church. And so we're called to, to fight against that. 
um, to be on guard. Verse 5. Now I desire to remind you that you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving people out of the land of Jesus, so now Judah's referring back to the past, back to history, back to the Old Testament. Remember the Lord saved people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe? So there's a little reminder, there is judgment. See, God never backs away from judgment. Why? Because it's a warning. It's, it's, look, we don't get mad at, at, at the crossing safety guard in the street going, hey, be careful. There's like big construction work out here. The big truck might run you over. Don't walk in the middle of the street. Stop, stop, wait, wait. Okay, you come, right? Those people are there to protect us for safety. Well, that's what God's word does. And so by saying, look, if you... I mean, maybe that's what our, our signs need. Instead of saying, you know, just a 55 speed limit, they should have like big pictures of car accidents and, and people maimed and bleeding. And then maybe it'd be like, whoa. But then what we say, wow, Oregon's so mean. Every, every mile they have like big signs, big posters of showing like the consequences of speeding. Or would we say, wow, maybe they actually care. Maybe they're trying to prevent people from speeding. Instead of just putting a number on the board and that number says, okay, I can go 10 over and nobody's going to catch me or care. Well, we're reminded here, and it's important for us to be reminded that judgment will be destroyed. And the angels who did not keep their own dominion, but abandoned their proper abode, he kept in eternal bonds under the darkness for judgment of the great day. We're reminded in Genesis 6. Remember the Nephilim? To look, I don't care if you're a human or, or, or a demon. The, you're going to be dealt with. You will be dealt with. Verse 7, a third example, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh at, are exhibited... <coughs> as an example in undergoing punishment of eternal fire. Look, there was an, a fire that licked up a whole city. Why? Because of their sin. What was their sin? Well, we know what their sin was. It's, it's listed. And it's probably not exactly like what you think it was. Yes, part of their sin was a, this... Again, this licentiousness, sexual immorality, gross immorality, seeking after strained flesh, meaning unnatural, men with men, women with women, right? That's unnatural. But it wasn't only that. What else was it? Uh, Ezekiel 16, 47. Yet you have not merely walked in their ways. Remember, we walk in the way of Jesus, not in their ways, not in the ways of Solomon and Gomorrah. Where are the ways of Solomon and Gomorrah? Are done according to their abominations. So these are abominations. But as if it were too little, you acted more corruptly in all your conduct than they. As I live, declares the Lord, Sodom, your sister, and her daughters have not done as your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance. Wait, whoa, wait a minute. I don't remember the arrogance part in Genesis. Well, they didn't cover it there. They're covering it here. Sodom and Gomorrah, not just strange flesh, also arrogance. Also, abundant food. Huh. 
gluttony is what we call it. Gluttony, it's when you have too much, too much food. It, be, it becomes almost like a, a, a worship of food. It's a bragging of food. You have so much. It's not just eating. They have an abundance of food. So they're being judged as abominations for being arrogant, having an abundant amount of food, and careless ease. What is that? Uh, too many vacations? Too much personal peace? Me time? Also, she did not help the poor and the needy. Thus, they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Now, I'm sure you can find your place somewhere in that list, past or present. It's not just the strange flesh. And so we see that following the life means doing the life. Not just reading about the way, not just agreeing, yes, Jesus, I agree with you. But we actually have to follow and obey. So we are not arrogant. We help the needy, right? We, we have to actively participate in the doing, in, in the doing. That's why throughout the scriptures, it's not just one passage, 1 Thessalonians 4. It's not just one thing, live a quiet life, mind your own business and work. It's actually, there's a lot of the way. We're to keep the way of, of living by the fruit of the spirit, not performing the deeds of the flesh. We're supposed to live by putting on godly things and taking off ungodly things in Colossians 3. We're called to live in proper Christian conduct as listed in Romans 12. We're called to follow the Beatitudes as listed in Matthew 6 and 7. See, there's a lot to the way. It's not just one simple little cute verse or passage. And that's part of our laziness and microwave society is, is we just want one like sticker or four letters, WWJD. That's enough. That's all I can handle. Well, 2 Timothy 3 says, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. What is the way? What is the way? The way we follow is found throughout Scripture, throughout all of Scripture. That's why it takes diligence and it is profitable for you. And that's why this is our hope. This is why Jesus is our hope. He's the way. He's the only way. This way is the only truth. This is truth, not psychology, not philosophy, not science. Scripture is truth. It's God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. And it is enough for you to be equipped for every single good work. That's why it's the lamp that's under our feet to light the path so that we can follow and obey the way. And so as we wrap up our understanding of truth matters, our understanding of, well, how do I identify the, the thousands of churches, the podcasts, the preachers? Look, they're going to keep coming and coming and coming, wolves in sheep clothing, 
false teachers, false prophets, people who are deceptive until Jesus's, Jesus takes back his throne. So we need to be on ready defense. How do we do that? Well, we follow the way of the master. We follow Jesus's way is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody will get to the Father but through the Son. That means following the Son's way. Let's pray.